today we are going to start a new series, a very brief series called Jesus Defining Moments. It's only three weeks long. And the reason it's only three weeks long is because it's the series leading up to Easter. Yes, it's only three weeks until Easter. So at Easter, we're going to start a series. It's probably the second longest series in the history of New Life. It's a series about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it's called um, Mountain Monologues. It's going to start on Easter Day and go all the way through August. Now, here at New Life, we talk a lot about Jesus. In fact, if you've come here for a week or two, I guarantee you, you've heard us talk about Jesus. Why is that? Well, we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's not just a slogan. That's not just a mission statement. That's who we are. It defines us as a church family. But why? Why is Jesus so important? Well, the author of the Hebrews put it this way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never changes. You know why? He doesn't need to. He's already perfect. Jesus never changes. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, always the same. We live in a culture, in a world that's always changing. If you turn on the news today, whatever's on the news today, for the most part, it'll be forgotten tomorrow. When I was growing up, people planned on living in the same place all their life. They planned on working at the same job all their life. Now people change locations and jobs as often as I change my furnace filter. Now, I, I wrote that in there about a month ago when I wrote this message. And this morning, this is the truth. I have one of those automated thermostats and I walked past and it said, replace furnace filter. <laughs> so some of you are getting a new job or moving this week. All right. So... Jesus stands as an anchor, an anchor in the turbulent times in which we live. If you're thinking, well, that might be true for you, pastor, but it's not true for me. I'm not so sure about Jesus. Well, that's okay. In fact, we're glad you're here. Even if you don't believe in Jesus at all, we're glad you're here. We have a saying here at New Life. It's three words, belong, believe, behave. We call it the three Bs. Makes sense, right? Belong, believe, behave. What that means is if you're alive, you belong here. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to believe anything and you don't have to behave a certain way. You just, if you're alive, if you're not alive, like if you're a zombie, please go home. But if you're alive, you belong here. Uh, you don't have to behave like Jesus yet. You know, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you have taken the time on a Sunday morning to join us to worship. You know, all of us used to be before Jesus people. Think about that. There was a time when we were before Jesus, before Jesus was important to us, before we knew him as Savior and Lord, before Jesus was really anything to us. Maybe it was when we were small children, or maybe it's still this, to this day. We were all once before Jesus people, and then Jesus became Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master, owner, God in our lives. And here at New Life, we exist to give opportunities for before Jesus people to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life. So whatever you do or don't believe about Jesus right now, welcome. You belong here. So after belong comes, believe. We pray and plan for each person who belongs here to come to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, God's son and the savior of the world. We have a statement of faith as a church family. Most churches have statements of faith. It says what we believe. And if you want to become a member of New Life, we ask you to affirm the beliefs that we affirm. And one of the things you'll notice about New Life, if you come here, we, we have different kind of music than some of the traditional churches, and we dress a little different than the traditional churches, but our beliefs are very traditional. We have very traditional beliefs. Actually, they're the same beliefs that the church has had for 2,000 years. We believe there's only one God, and that God has expressed himself as Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. 
We believe that the Bible is true and we don't apologize for that. We believe that it's the word of the living God and that if we live by it, it'll change our lives. We believe that. And you also, you know what we believe? We believe there is truth. We live in a culture that says, whatever you believe is true is true for you and whatever I believe is true is true for me. But truth is objective and it's personal. Objective means it can be proven to be true or false. And personal means Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we can know truth personally in Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't change, and the guidance it gives is for every matter that we can think about in our daily lives. So we believe those things. And here's something else we believe. We believe that those who trust in Jesus, Savior and Lord, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God comes to live inside of us. And from that moment on, we are changed from the inside out. And that's where behave comes into play. You see, while statistically, those who claim to be Christians in America are indistinguishable from non-Christians in their behavior, we seek to behave, behave more and more like Jesus every single day. Let me say up front, we don't always get it right. If you've ever seen somebody here at New Life, including me, who was acting more like the devil than like Jesus, don't blame Jesus. Here's the thing. I, I heard this analogy about a month ago. I love this analogy. I think it's a great one. It explains what I just said. So first of all, let me just say, I want to invite you to come with me to Hotel Saxonburg. This is an illustration, all right? And, and we're going to go to the Hotel Saxonburg, and we're going to listen to a cover band that plays Beatles music. Okay, so you and I, we go up to, you know, Hotel Saxonburg, we're sitting there, and this Beatles band, first of all, they don't look anything like the Beatles. They don't dress anything like the Beatles, and worst of all, they sound nothing like the Beatles. So on the way home, we say, you know what, I'm never listening to Beatles music again. What? That, that doesn't make any sense. I'm never going to listen to Beatles music again because a cover band can't play the Beatles? But people will look at Christians or alleged Christians who aren't acting like Jesus and they'll say, well, Jesus must not be true. What? Jesus acts like Jesus. <laughs> not surprisingly. And he gives us the power to act like him too when we give him control in our lives. So don't miss, dismiss Jesus because somebody who represents him is a jerk. That's all I'm saying. Belong, believe, behave. That's the process here at New Life. If you're at the point of belonging right now, I am still extremely glad that you're here with us. Today, we're gonna talk about a specific action that Jesus took, and it marked the beginning of his earthly ministry. For 30 years, Jesus lived on the earth as an ordinary person. Now, Jesus was not an ordinary person. I mean, we know that by the way he was conceived. We know that by where he was born. We know that even by the fact that when he was 12 years old, he was stumping religious leaders with his questions. But for 30 years, Jesus lived as if he were just an ordinary person, just like everybody else. But when he was 30, he went to be baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. We read about it in Matthew's account of Jesus' life. But before we get there, pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you exist, that you are the God of the universe, and that you sent your only son, Jesus, to live the only perfect life ever lived here on this planet and that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, and he's with you now, and that your spirit lives in us who believe in you. All of those things we thank you for, God. But right now, what I ask you to do is open our hearts, open our spirits, that we might hear your voice, and that we might receive your truth and be changed from the inside out by it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says in Matthew chapter... Uh, 
chapter 3, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Some of us in the room here got to go to Israel back in January, so we got to see Israel up close and personal. For those of you who don't know, Israel's about the size of New Jersey. Galilee is in the northern part of Israel. It's where Jesus grew up. It's where Jesus did his ministry. It's where Jesus spent almost all of his earthly life, in the Galilee, the region where the Sea of Galilee is. So let's say you're in northern Jersey, right? And Jesus decides it's time to go be baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River starts north of the Sea of Galilee. It flows into the Sea of Galilee. It flows out on the southern end, and it goes for quite a distance. And biblical scholars believe that John baptized people in the far south part of the Jordan River. Well, why is that important? Well, Jesus walked from here to Dubois to get baptized. Anybody know where Dubois is? It's 90 miles away. Jesus walked 90 miles 90 miles to get baptized. Why in the world would you do that? Especially, John was baptizing people to express forgiveness, repentance for their sins because he was getting people ready for the Messiah. Now, the Messiah was a special person that the Jews had been expecting for hundreds and hundreds of years. He was a king who was going to come and they thought would deliver them from the oppressors, whoever it was at the moment. At this moment, it was the Romans. And so, Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus never sinned, so why does he need to be baptized? The answer is he doesn't need to be baptized, but it sort of makes it possible for me to have a really cool take-home point today. And the take-home point is the one point I hope that we'll all hear and then listen to, respond, think about, and go home and live out in the week ahead, and here it is. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but we do. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but we do. Look at what happened when Jesus made it all the way from Galilee to where John was baptized. He says, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. We can see John's point, right? John's pretty astute. He knows that Jesus is sinless, so why is he being baptized? And Jesus says, we need to carry out all that God requires. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is about to start his ministry, and Jesus is going to consecrate his life to the Lord, and the baptism shows that. But something really important, it's maybe just a detail, but some people have watched The Chosen. I don't know if you watch The Chosen, or I love The Chosen. I'm not dissing The Chosen. But The Chosen makes it sound like John and Jesus were best buddies, like they grew up together, they had fun together, probably played, you know, soccer, I don't know. But anyway, here's, here's the reality, according to the Gospel of Luke, As soon as John was like a little boy, he went out into the Judean desert and and he grew up by himself like a lot of prophets did, you know, out there learning the word of God, hearing the voice of God. And so it's likely that John and Jesus never met each other until the day that Jesus is baptized. And the reason that's significant, John was told by God, there's going to be a special person come, the Messiah. You'll know it's the Messiah because the spirit, my spirit's going to come down out of heaven and land on him. And so this is a very important detail for all of us. Is this going to happen when Jesus gets baptized? Is the Spirit going to come down? We need to know because if it does, then it's going to prove to John and to all of us that Jesus is the Messiah. So as we see, Jesus comes to be baptized. But there's one more reason why Jesus was baptized. To identify with us. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Jesus was not a sinner, but we are. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hope to God that I am not the same tomorrow that I am today. 
because I need to keep changing. I need my life to be transformed from the inside out, just like we all do, right? And, and so what we need to understand is Jesus, when he was baptized, first of all, it was a consecration to God. It was obedience to God. But it was also a way of saying, I am identifying with these lost people, fallen, broken people. They need me, and so that he identified with them. So as I pointed out in the take-home point, we, do, we need to be baptized. Jesus doesn't. More about that in a moment. But first, let's see what did happen after Jesus was baptized. Matthew records it this way. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Wow, talk about affirmation. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, all present. That's the Trinity. You know, the word Trinity doesn't occur in the Bible, but we as followers of Jesus, that's one of the things we believe. We believe there's one God in three persons. So we have the Father speaking from heaven. We have the Holy Spirit coming down to Jesus, and we have Jesus, the Son. Now, let's look at that statement again. This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. God the Father loves all of us. He does. But Jesus is his favorite. Just so you know, like if you ever thought you were his favorite, hmm, not really. <laughs> Jesus is God's favorite. He really is. So notice it says that Jesus brought the Father great joy. Why? Well, simply by his existence. Because he is, you know, it's, he's God. They're part of each other. And many times Jesus said, the Father and I are one. So there's this relationship that, that, that none of us could ever have with God. I mean, we can be close to God and the Spirit of God lives in us, but, but, but there's some things inside of us that sort of make us a little separate from God and that's not true with Jesus. So Jesus obeyed his Father when he left heaven to come here to earth. And then three years after he was baptized, he did the most amazing thing. He obeyed his Father even to death on a cross and he paid the penalty for our sin, not his, so that we could have a life with him forever. But let's not get ahead of the story. Jesus told John that he needed to be baptized to carry out all that God requires. One of the things that we believe as Jesus' followers who make up New Life Christian Ministries is those who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord need to be baptized. So why? If you're a belonger right now and you haven't yet started to believe in Jesus, Savior and Lord, you know, why ought you to believe in Jesus first off and then why ought you to be baptized? Those are great questions. I'm so glad you asked. And here is the first reason. Because Jesus is our standard. As I mentioned at the outset, we exist here at New Life to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And while Jesus never changes, as I said, we need to. We need to change in radical ways. All of us do. And the reality is, the change starts when we're born again. And we can read all about that in John chapter three. Jesus told Nicodemus, a religious leader, how it happens, what happens. But here's the point. We are fallen people. We enter this life with a deficit. And, and the truth is, if you've ever seen a child, been a child, well, probably don't remember this, but if you've ever seen a child or had a child, you know that the child is selfish. They come into the world a little bit selfish. It's like, I want, I need, they can't say it yet, but I want, I need, and then when they can say it, they say, mine, no, huh, maybe daddy and mama, that sort of appeases us a little bit, but mine and no, those are the first, that's what fallen people do, we say mine and no, leave me alone, it's about me, 
And, and so we come into the world that way. And, and, you know, unless Jesus changes us from the inside out, we never change, really. You know, we might be good people, although that's really hard. We might become good people, but we're never going to become new people. New people is something Jesus said that only happens when we have a whole new way of life, a whole new life, a, a, a new birth. Jesus said the physical birth that we've all experienced, that isn't enough to change our behavior. You see, we belong to the human race by virtue of being born. You belong here at New Life because you're alive, but you will never behave like Jesus from the inside out until your beliefs change, So my beliefs change. We need to change the belief that we're God because we're not. We need to change the belief that what matters most is what I want. You see, we need to stop believing the lies that we have believed. Pastor Ali's going to talk about that next week. But we need to understand that the reason that we exist is because a good God created for us for his glory and actually so we can enjoy him. And if Jesus was baptized, and that's the only reason why we ought to be baptized, that would be a good enough reason. But there are more reasons. Secondly, Jesus commanded us to be baptized. We read about it in Matthew 28, 20, uh, 18 to 20 and Mark 16, 15 and 16. These are accounts of Jesus after he rose from the dead, after he spent 40 uh, days on the earth, after his resurrection, and he was ready to go back to heaven. He gave a last commission, we call it, to his disciples. Matthew and Mark have a little bit of difference in what they say, so we're going to look at both of them. They're both short, so listen to what Matthew said. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These new, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is how Mark put it. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know, some have read Mark's account about Jesus' commission, and they say, well, see what, you have to be, believe and be baptized to be saved. That's not what it says. It says you need to believe him. If you are, if you do believe and are baptized, you will be saved. But what does it say? If you don't believe, you'll be condemned. So, our beliefs need to change. And as soon as they do, we're saved. Baptism is the next step. But the first step, the first step is believe. In Jesus. And if we never believe in Jesus, Jesus said, we'll be condemned. So baptism is a response to Jesus' command. In fact, it's a response of obedience. That's our third point. Baptism is an act of obedience to Jesus. Being baptized is part of obeying all the commands that Jesus gave us. And when Jesus was baptized, he was doing what his heavenly father required him to do. When we are baptized, we're doing what Jesus requires us to do. You know, there are a lot of Christian traditions where people baptize infants and children. And the reason we don't do that here at New Life is because Jesus said that when you become a disciple, you're supposed to be baptized. So a disciple is someone who learns, someone who grows, someone who becomes like the teacher. And a, a, a two-month-old can't do that. Two-year-old can't do that. Some I've seen as young as five or six can do that. But that's why we dedicate children, babies, to the Lord here at New Life, just like Jesus was dedicated to the Lord when he was eight days old. And we baptize those who believe. And, and we, we don't argue and fight over it. In fact, we really don't argue and fight about a lot here at New Life because that's not what God calls us to do. So one more reason to be baptized, last one. It demonstrates we are believers. 
In the early church, when people believed in Jesus, one of the first things they did after they believed was get baptized. We read about it in Acts chapter 18. It says, Crispus, and I think that's a funny name. I'm not naming my next kid Crispus. Crispus is okay, but Crispus, not so much. Okay, the leader of the synagogue and all his household believed in the Lord. Then it says, many others in Corinth also became believers and what? Were baptized. The example underlines Jesus' command to become believers is followed by a response of obedience, which is to get baptized. And I recognize this message has been very different than most of the messages we have here at New Life. Most of our messages, we take a scripture, we go through it, and we talk about how that scripture applies to our life and basically how we behave more like Jesus. That's what we do most of the time. But today, we've focused on a very specific belief, baptism. But baptism isn't just a belief. It's an action that Jesus took. In fact, it's the very first action Jesus took. It defined his life and his ministry from that day forward because everybody who saw Jesus get baptized knew that Jesus is the Son of God because God told him. God told everybody. Now, I know if you read the text, it says that not everybody could understand what he was saying. But John knew and Jesus knew that Jesus is the Messiah. So generally, as I said, we take this scripture, we apply it to our lives. Well, Let's do that here. Let's take this to scripture and let's apply it to our lives. If you're new here, you don't know what our focus is as a church family. You don't know why we exist. I mean, I've told you that we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. But you don't know what our goal for your life is or what we're trying to get you to do. And this might have seemed like a talk that had absolutely no difference, made no difference to you. Like, why are we talking about dunking people in water? What does that have to do with anything? Well, the reason we've invested an entire message on it is because our goal for every person, this is our goal for you, for me, to experience the new life that Jesus offers and to become like him in the Holy Spirit's power. That's my prayer for every single person in this room today, that we will know and experience the new life that Jesus Christ offers and that because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we'll become more and more like him. Jesus made it clear that he alone is the only way to salvation. There's no other way. Just him. And, and he's the authority for our lives. We live in a culture that says there is no authority. In fact, our culture says more and more, just do whatever feels good. Just do whatever you want. Because that's what, I mean, there's no real meaning and purpose to life. Just, just feel good. But Jesus taught us that what he wants is always best for us. And I, I thought about this, you know. Every time I do something the world tells me is going to be good for me, make me feel good, it does. At first, <laughs> like if I ate a half a gallon of chocolate ice cream, it would feel good while I was eating it, right? But then a little while later, it wouldn't feel so good. And if I ate a, a half a gallon of chocolate ice cream every evening for the next six months, there would be some negative impacts on my health. <laughs> on the other hand, if I do what Jesus tells me to do, it's going to be hard at first. One of the things you'll never get from this church is an easy gospel. You know, when you follow Jesus... It's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be difficult, challenging. Even the idea of getting baptized. Some people go, I've got to get dunked under water. Yeah. Well, you don't have to. But, I mean, Jesus said to. And he said, you're supposed to obey everything he commands. So, sort of. Um, and, and the thing about baptism, it might sound foolish. It might sound old-fashioned. It might sound scary. So why do we do it? Well, because Jesus said so. And Jesus wouldn't tell us to do anything that was foolish. He does ask us to do some things that are scary every now and then, right? But here at New Life also, you know, so why do we baptize people by immersion? Three reasons. 
First reason is the word baptizo, which is the Greek word from which we get baptized, means to dip, immerse, submerge, dunk. Like if you've ever had an Oreo cookie and you've, you know, dunked it into your coffee or your hot chocolate or your milk, you baptized it. I mean, we don't say that, but now you probably will. Okay, I'm going to baptize my Oreo. Okay, um, don't have to do it in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, though. Okay, number two. John baptized in the Jordan River. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, the Jordan River's only like this deep. You can't baptize somebody and immerse them. I just baptized like, how many people, Alex? Quite a few people. 14, 15 people in the Jordan River. And they were dunked the whole way under. So yes, you can. And it says he went down into the Jordan River. He came up out of the Jordan River. Pretty much seems like they went down there to baptize by immersion. And finally, the Apostle Paul makes a reference to baptism as burial. Burial, you know, you're buried when you're under the water and you come up. And so that symbol, once again, under the water, burial, and then you come up to this new life in Jesus Christ. Now, once again, sprinkle, pour, you know, dunk, whatever. The amount of water isn't the point. The point is Jesus told us we need to be baptized. And so we do it. So what do we do with this message? Pretty simple message, pretty simple next step. I will get baptized or I will live out my baptism as a sign of obedience. So I will get baptized. If you've never been baptized and you move from belonger to believer or you've already been a believer but you've never been baptized, you get baptized. What if you've been baptized? You know, I love what Martin Luther used to do. I wasn't around, but there's a tradition that tells us, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the reformer, whenever he was afraid, that song we sang, you know, about being afraid, when he was afraid, you know what he did? He put his hand on his head and he said, I am baptized. And you go, what? Is he superstitious? Does he believe that baptism saved him? <laughs> you never knew anything about Martin Luther if you think he thought baptism saved him. He thought nothing saved him except the blood of Jesus Christ. But what he was saying is, I don't care what the world is doing out there. I, I, I know I'm afraid right now, but I'm baptized. I belong to Jesus. And I don't have to be afraid of anything. And so today, we don't need to fear what the world might bring, what the devil might do, or even how we might you know, behave inappropriately in that old fallen nature that still seems to be in there even after we are trusting Jesus, Savior, and Lord. There is no safer reality in existence than to belong to Jesus Christ. Yesterday, today, and even in the future when we get to be with him forever. That's a promise for all who belong to him, who believe in him as Savior and Lord, and who eventually have our behaviors changed in the power of the Holy Spirit to be more and more like him. Amen? So, belong, believe, behave. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, you know, I've been a belonger. I'm here, but I don't know about Jesus. But now you're thinking, what he just said made a lot of sense. Maybe today's the best, well, today is the best day to become a believer if you aren't one yet. But would you want to believe that Jesus is Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death in your life, Lord, which means master, owner, God. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. When you do that, it's going to be hard until it gets easy. It's going to be hard until it gets easy. It's simple, but not easy. That's what we say here at New Life. I think we should say it's simple, then it's hard, then it gets easy. That's, now, let's just say it's simple, but not easy. But it is simple as ABC to come to trust Jesus, Savior and Lord. A is admit. We admit we have a deficit. We admit that we're sinners. But we're fallen, broken people. And we need somebody beyond ourselves to do something about it. B, we believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he is 
the Savior and Lord of all who call upon him. And then C, we confess Jesus as Savior and Lord and commit to following him in the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing about that, you know, once you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it changes you, man. It changes. And sometimes people get a little excited. Please, 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 as you're a little excited, don't be a jerk. There are people who go out there and they start screaming at their relatives and they tell them they're going to burn in hell forever. That's usually not very helpful. I mean, it's true, but it's not very helpful. <laughs> right? We want to let people see the love of Jesus along with the truth of Jesus. So after you trust Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life and you confess him to other people, as you do that, do it in a way that is, I like this word, winsome. Winsome, you know? And you win some and you don't win some, but you can be winsome in your life. You can make a difference in a way that attracts people. The early church was magnetic because they actually loved people and they told the truth. It's a, it's a combination that never goes out of style. Love people and tell the truth. So if you're ready to do that, admit, believe, and confess. Pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer, and, and you can pray this prayer. The words aren't the most important thing. It's the transfer of ownership from yourself to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that my life is screwed up. My life isn't what it needs to be. And right now, I do believe that you sent Jesus here to the earth and that he lived a perfect life, the only one ever lived, and that he died for me. And God, I, I receive that new life that he offers in his name. And, and, and I confess to you, and I, I will confess to my family and friends and others that Jesus is Savior and Lord in my life now. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me to overflowing because I know that my behavior isn't going to change in my effort, but I know that it will change through you and your power and your presence. So God, I pray for all of us who have prayed a prayer like that at one point, that right now you would renew and strengthen us, that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us, that all that we think, say, and do will bring you glory, honor, and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.